Welcome to the First Player Token Podcast, a short podcast for folks who enjoy playing board games with family and friends. I'm your host, Derek Breff. In this episode, we take a look at a game of queens and kings and dragons and knights and basic arithmetic in Sleeping Queens. A bunch of years ago, when my oldest daughter was young, she kept wanting to play Monopoly. I thought it was great math practice for her, but I am no fan of Monopoly. There's very little strategy once all the properties are purchased, and the game dramatically overstays its welcome. I didn't want to play Monopoly, but I did want to encourage her math practice, so I posted my quandary on Facebook. My friend Brandy suggested a game called Sleeping Queens that I had never heard of. I ordered it, tried it with my daughter, and we both loved it. My second daughter loved it even more. Sleeping Queens was her favorite game for years. In Sleeping Queens, you compete to collect some rather whimsical queens, like the Pancake Queen, the Cat Queen, and the Book Queen. All the queens start face down in the middle of the play area, because I think they've all been put under a sleeping spell. You and the other players take turns playing cards from your hand, then drawing cards to fill your hand back up to five. Some of the cards are kings, also pretty whimsical, like the Puzzle King, the Pasta King, and the Tie-Dye King. The art in this game by Jimmy Pickering and Red Hansen is colorful and charming and a little bit goofy. Part of the fun of playing is imagining the meetup between, say, the Starfish Queen and the Bubblegum King. When you play a king, you get to wake up one of the queens, turning her card face up and placing her in front of you as part of your collection. The gender dynamics here are a little suspect with the kings doing all the rescuing of the queens, but it is the queens who have special powers, like the Rose Queen, who brings a second queen with her when she's woken up, or the Strawberry Queen, who can't be stolen by other players or put back to sleep. See, a lot of the cards you play aren't kings. Some of them are knights, who let you steal a queen from another player, or sleeping potions that put another player's queen back to sleep in the middle, face down. There are counter cards too, like the dragon who scares away the knight, or the magic wand that wards off sleeping potions. There are also a lot of numbered cards in the deck that don't do anything. They look nice. The numbers are all represented by symbols that correlate to some of the queens, like moons or cats or pancakes. The numbered cards are where the math comes in. If you don't have any action cards in your hand, you'll have to discard a numbered card to draw a new card. But if you can make a simple equation out of your numbered cards, you can discard all the cards involved in the equation and draw that many more. For instance, you could discard a 3, 5, and 8, since 3 plus 5 equals 8, and then draw 3 cards. This helps you get to those action cards, like the kings, a little faster. Different queens are worth different amounts of points. In a 2-3 player game, the first player to collect 5 queens or earn 50 points wins. In a 4-5 player, Game, the goal is four queens, or 40 points. That's pretty much the whole game. It's simple, it's easy to teach, it's fast to play, and offers great practice at basic addition facts. It's one thing to ask a kid what is 3 plus 5. It's another to challenge the kid to find an additive relationship among a small set of numbers that might or might not have one. All of my kids have eventually asked if they can make longer equations, like 2 plus 5 equals 3 plus 4, And we always house rule that in the affirmative, because yes, let's look for those equations. Sleeping Queens is rated for ages 8 and up, but that actually seems a little high to me. As soon as your child starts learning basic math facts, she'll be ready for this game. 
It's a quick game, lasting maybe 10 or 20 minutes once you get the hang of it, and you can play with two to five players. The original version comes in a box about the size of a paperback book, so it's very portable. But I recommend getting the slightly larger 10th Anniversary Edition. Yes, this game came out in 2005, actually. The Anniversary Edition features four new queens, like the Most Excellent Strawberry Queen, and a couple of new kings. It also comes in a metal tin, like most of the games, that its publisher, GameRight, creates. Yes, Sleeping Queens is by GameRight, publisher of past podcast recommendations Sushi Go, Abandon All Artichokes, and Forbidden Island. We are big GameRight fans in my family, and that's why I was excited to see that GameRight was going to be at Gen Con, the big board game convention I attended in Indianapolis in September. I told my seven-year-old, whom you've heard here on the podcast before, that I was going to interview someone from GameRight, and she said she would tell me what questions to ask. As it turns out, she asks really good questions. Here's my interview with Jason Schneider, Vice President for Product Development at GameRight, from the floor of Gen Con 2021. So, who are you and what's your connection to GameRight? Yeah, hi, I'm Jason. I am the uh, Head of Product Development for GameRight. Okay, yeah, that's exciting. Um, You guys have a lot of product here. We do, we do. We have a lot of our classics like Slamwich and Rat Attack Cat and Sleeping Queens and Forbidden Island and Sushi Go. We've got some brand new games like Super Mega Lucky Box and Abandoned Artichokes and Shifting Stones. So it's a it's just a nice mix this year. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, as I mentioned, we're big big fans at our house, and my daughter has some questions for you. Great. Okay. Can't so wait. question one: How do you make such great games in such small boxes? <laughs> that's that's a challenging question to answer. We make sure that uh, we know that families like, first of all, don't have a lot of space in their house, and second of all, like to take games to travel. So we make sure that a game can be played in a small space, but also is packed with a lot of fun, both for the kids as well as for the grown-ups, because that's one thing about a game right game, is it's typically a game where like mom and dad or aunt and uncle or big brother, big sister want to play along with the kids. So. Um, and we look for games that are just, have got a lot going on, just enough going on to make it interesting, and not too much to make it super complicated that it takes forever to play. Yeah. Well, and I gotta say, I think my first game right game was Sleeping Queens. I always say it's a game that like kids get intuitively. Parents take a little bit of time to get up to speed on it because of like, okay, what does the like potion do and what does a dragon do? But once you get it and it makes sense, I mean, in some ways it makes sense that it was invented by a six-year-old at the time because there's a lot of, of that in it, but it also she was precocious and she was doing things that she knew grown-ups were going to like too. Yeah, yeah. We actually contributed a copy to the aftercare program at my kids' school. Oh, that's school. so nice. Uh, Thank you so much. I'm yeah. sure your school really appreciated that. <laughs> so here's my next question um, from my daughter. Uh, how do you make games so colorful? Oh, well, we work with a really wonderful group of both graphic designers and illustrators to find graphics that are really going to pop off the table. Um, we look at a lot of different illustrators from around the world. We review catalogs of illustrators. And once we know what a game is going to be, then we try to match up the style of the game with the kind of illustration. Um, there is a certain amount of, I would say, magic to it in a way yeah. that we don't have a formula. It's not like we have a chart in our office saying, oh, this is a game with food in it, therefore we're going to this illustrator, or this is a game with some magical creatures, therefore we're going with this type of illustrator. It's usually what speaks to us, and um, a lot of it's just for the, um, 
the artist and the illustrator to be in the right place at the right time when we're kind of hunting for a particular theme. But we always want to make sure that the artwork is both colorful and yet has like some sense of whimsy or humor to it so that you, there's something you can like fall into as a uh, player to like see something you've never seen before the next time you play it lots of nice little details in the cards we do look for all that in all the illustrators that we hunt for yeah, yeah. do you have some illustrators that you keep coming back to or we do there are a few i mean once for example once we started up with our sushi go game of course when we came up with sushi go party or sushi roll we went back to the illustrator because uh her name is Nan. she did a great job with the whole look of it so we yeah. want to continue on and there's a stable but we're always looking for new illustrators because we you know we find, we think like you know the next illustrator is maybe right now in kindergarten or high school and has not yet come up and shown us her thing and so that's yeah, a really yeah. exciting thing to think about as a uh, curator yeah yeah absolutely okay so uh the next question how do you get ideas for games? Ooh, this is one of the questions that i get asked the most often right. i think uh, the right we, person here i think yeah um, we get submissions of game ideas from everybody and anybody from all over the world. Um, we don't have a published uh, submission website, but anybody who wants to send a game idea into us can send one in. Submissions at GameRight.com is the uh, submissions address. And we review um, ideas from pretty much uh, famous game designers, people who have made a living out of being a game designer to someone like Miranda Everts and her family who created Sleeping Queens who right. never thought of a game before but her mom sent an email to me many years ago over a decade ago about this game and I review everything that I see and um, picked it up from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else can you say about Sleeping Queens? That's again one of our favorites. So it is, and it's one of those games that uh, took a while to get, get momentum. You know, okay. we very much believe in in making games with really strong play value to them, but it takes some time for that play value to, to spread out through the community. And so, we're in its first year. That game only sold a few copies. Now it's one of our biggest selling games over ten years later because of the momentum that's built because of families like yours that. Uh, played it and then shared it with another family. Um, it's it's really a special game, and the family that um, made it, the the girl who's now a grown up, right. she's now in college, yeah. uh, her, and um, she really um, just had this moment of inspiration that I think connected with so many kids and grown ups too. And for that, we're ever grateful. I love it. Okay, last question yep. from my daughter. Um, why are so many of your games about food? <laughs> Funny. You know, our very first card game was a game about food, which was Slam Witch. That came out in 1994. Okay. And, wow. Yeah, I know. Can you believe it? It's okay. been around for over 25 years. And I think ever since then, we've just had a penchant. First of all, like food, who doesn't love it, right? Um, and be, I guess, inspired by that first game. We're like, well, food seems to be successful. Let's continue to find games with that. And you know, there's, there's been over the years some food games that we've done that haven't done well, but um, with Sushi Go and Go Nuts for Donuts, yeah. and a recent game, Abandon All Artichokes, which came out like, who would have thought a game about artichokes would be doing well, but it's right. one of our new um, big successful games. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and we'll continue to find it. So we're looking for that next awesome food idea. <laughs> okay. So okay. if you have it out there, please uh, send us idea ideas for food, for Absolutely. sure. And can I ask your daughter a question through this podcast? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So my question is, what would you like to see next for a Game Right game? Okay. I will ask her that. Yeah. And we will put that answer on the podcast. Please do. I would love to hear it. And send it to me, and I'll be curious to hear what the response is. That's awesome. Yeah.
Thank you so much. Thank this you. Great. My pleasure. Great to talk to you. You should have seen my daughter's face when I told her that the guy from Game Right had a question for her. She felt very important. So I played her my Gen Con interview and asked her to weigh in on Jason's question. Can I ask your daughter a question through this podcast? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So my question is, what would you like to see next for a Game Right game? Okay. I will ask. Well, <laughs> what would you like to see next? That's the best question ever. <laughs> That's the best. I was literally like just thinking about that. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> what's your answer? The answer is um, the next thing I would like next is a candy game. A candy game? Game about candy. Yeah. Game about candy. Game, game about, about candy. candy. Um, what kind of candy would you want to see in the game? Uh, definitely lollipops, cotton candy, chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. All the candy. Yeah. What, <laughs> what would the game be about? Eating lots of candy or trying to avoid the candy? Um, it would be about you roll the dice when it lands on chocolate. Is Yeah, I put in two pieces of chocolate and... If he gets a tongue ache, you lose. <laughs> yeah. So like, if the cotton candy would be five, oh. no, ten. So you want a lot of candy. Yeah. But not so much that you get sick. Yeah. So, that could be kind of tricky. Yeah, but if you are, if you land dice on carrot, then he has to eat a carrot, and if he eats too many carrots. You also lose because, oh. um, and the only way to win is by giving him the right amount of carrots and the right amount of candy. Gotcha. So you want to try to roll the dice and get the right amount of candy and carrots. Yes. Um, so in Sushi Go, the little sushi has little smiley faces. Mm -hmm. And in Abandon All Artichokes, all the vegetables have smiley faces. Mm -hmm. So in the candy game, would the candy also have smiling faces? Yes. yes. Well, those are fun ideas. And now we know where to send them. Submissions at GameRight.com. You think we should submit those ideas? Yes, I'm accepting. Yes, yes, yes. Those games sound fun. And they wouldn't be the first GameRight-inspired games in our family. I mentioned earlier that Sleeping Queens was my second daughter's favorite game when she was young. Not only did we donate a copy to her after-school care program so she could introduce it to her friends, she and I also designed a new game using the Sleeping Queens cards. It was a mashup of Sleeping Queens and Go Fish, so we called it Fishing Queens. I posted the rules to a website called Board Game Geek, gosh, seven years ago now, and I'll add a link to those rules in the show notes. Thanks to the seven-year-old for those great questions for Game Right. And thanks to Jason Schneider for taking the time to talk with me at Gen Con. And thanks to Game Right for publishing so many fantastic family games. That's it for this episode of the First Player Token Podcast. See the show notes for photos of Sleeping Queens, as well as a link to the podcast's Facebook group and our new First Player Token coffee mugs. 
And if you found one of our game recommendations useful, would you share the podcast with a friend or maybe review it on your favorite podcast app? That would mean a lot. I've been your host, Derek Bruff. Thanks for listening. Now it's time to play some games.